If talking about new travel destinations or discovering the latest travel gadgets gets your heart racing just like mine, well then, you are in the right place. Hello there, I'm Katrina Rountree and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Come, our podcast about the wonders of travel, a place where we share memories from recent trips and we dream about upcoming adventures. So get your passports ready and join me for Journeys to Come. Kimberley is considered one of the last truly remote parts of Australia. But I am curious, how on earth do you find these locations to take your guests to? Well, when we were little guys, we were a bit fitter, so we used to run to all these places. <laughs> no, no, I mean, we, um, you know, the Kimberley, I mean, we started with small boats and we were able to um, go exploring in them and push up to, you know, where the fresh water met the salt on some of these rivers and go for short walks and and I guess places like this where we are today these are a lot further away from the boat and these are definitely all um, due to the sake that we've got the helicopter and we're able to go flying around and look for places we'd like to visit and land there and have a bit of a look around so we've been very fortunate to be able to explore and we've had all the best toys to do it in. Yeah, you've got that now. Like you've got you've got this amazing boat built in Western Australia. You've got the chopper. You've got the tenders. But what was it like when you first started out? I mean, this is like the cherry on top now. But what was it like when you started out 30 years ago? Well, the boats were smaller. The dinghies were still fun. They were smaller, and but we were younger. We didn't have as higher expectations, and and we didn't have the name that we have have now so mm. people didn't have as high expectations of what they have when they travel with us now I guess it's just um, experience that's 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 got you to this point well, I guess so yeah it's just been we've been coming here for this is our 31st year and done it for six months of every one of the last 30 years so uh, yeah we've got why is good it, of the area why is it only six months well you've got to work here from uh, we've pushed the envelope a little bit. We come up a little earlier so the waterfalls are still beautiful but in another month's time all the humidity goes. Uh, the weather is just probably the most glorious weather of anywhere in Australia. The uh, average day temperature is about 30 degrees and of an evening it gets down to around 15 degrees. There's no humidity, it's dry, it's just awesome. So I don't know that there is a better place to be in Australia at that time of year. So that sort of happens between April and September is our dry season, they call it. Want more travel in your day? Well then, join us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Journeys to Come and follow us. And while you're there, hey, how about you share your own travel pics and stories with the hashtag Journeys to Come. When do, when do the whales appear? Because isn't this uh, like the, the, the main place for them to to give birth, doesn't it become one massive maternity ward after a while? Yeah, correct. So the humpback whales uh, migrate to the, well, really up to a, about Camden Sound, Koori Bay, so sort of the first couple of days, two to three days of the trip. And uh, that sort of happens June, July, August. So am and I there's right? There's hundreds of them. It's really? fantastic, yeah. So I'm getting the feeling that, I just had in my mind that when you go on a true north cruise through the Kimberleys, it would be similar whichever cruise that you chose. But now I gather it's completely ruled 
by the seasons, by the weather gods, and that no two trips are the same. We've started, we're on a, on a waterfall trip, but if you come mid-year, then you get the whales, it's always changing. Correct, yeah, and, oh, and the other uh, influences, obviously the tides, you know, we have very big tides up here, the biggest tides in Australia, probably some of the largest tides in the world, and uh, so we get a, in the, on our big tides, we get a 12 metre variation in water, in water depth every six hours, so uh, that completely rules when you can be and can't be at certain places. So. And I suppose that would also prove why, if you're going to explore this area, you're kind of better off doing it with someone that's had a lot of experience, that knows this place like the back of their hands. Oh yeah, you've got to be on the true north, that's the only way to go. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you've won a Order of Australia, so I don't call you sir, do I? No. I mean, I know you'd like me to call you sir, but I don't call you sir. <laughs> no, you yes. won it for a pretty cool reason. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I th my services to tour tourism in the in the in West Australia, and uh, it was great to be recognised by the the government. It was a great honour. And uh, no, you don't have to call me Sir Craig, but uh, when I write to you and invite you on another cruise, yes. I will sign the letter Craig House and. O-A-M. With great pride. With, With great, great pride. pride. You know something else that I realised once I got here is you don't just do the Kimberley. You go to all of these other elusive remote locations. Can you tell us about some of those wonderful spots? Yes, I guess that all created, I mean, the people who've joined us on vacations over the years on True North have I love the experience. I mean, you know, the, it's all about, it's not about the boat. The boat's beautiful, but uh, it's the destinations and how we immerse ourselves in the destination that people love the most. And uh, so people were joining, you know, we only started just doing just the Kimberley and, and, and the Rolly Shoals, and then people wanted to return and come and enjoy the experience again but be in a different destination so we added Papua New Guinea to the to our list. That's where you go swimming with and the whale sharks? No, that's so that after we added Papua New Guinea we added West Papua so that's southeast Indonesia Okay. and the very northern bay in the top of West Papua is called Sendrawasi Bay mm -hmm. and that's where the whale sharks aggregate and that's, uh, that's a very fantastic whale shark experience amazing they just um i did it with the family just last year and we we had uh some of the um, fishing platforms where we uh where the sharks were attracted to we had sort of seven eight whale sharks at any one time just swimming around so it's fantastic i know you also do um cage diving with the great whites in uh south australia south australia yeah so S are you on a bit of a death wish, or do you <laughs> have you got to have a sense I'm of adventure? Life. I'm enjoying being here. Um, no, I mean I don't. We uh, we don't like to put people in dangerous situations, and the the whole great swimming of the great white sharks things uh, well managed, and, and it's a safe activity as long as you don't fall off the dinghy. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, yeah, no, we uh, I, I guess we do. Uh, now, after we finish New Guinea, we do our cruises to Sydney, and sometimes that's for New Year's, is that right? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, some years we were able to do the start of the Sydney Hobart yacht race, and then but every year we do the New Year's festival and watch the 
crackers on the bridge, of yeah. course. And then we go around and do the trip from Adelaide to Sejuna, which involves the white, great white sharks going to Kangaroo Island and and all that. So, so that beautiful boat that we see, that is just constantly in use. You milk it. You absolutely right. milk yeah, that boat. A lot of people say, how many boats have you got? We've only got the one boat, but we keep it busy. Yeah. It's uh, pretty well working 300 days a year. It has about 30 days a year where it's in uh, maintenance, getting maintenance done. And about 30 of the other 30 days of the year, it's like getting relocated between uh, trips. So. While you're listening, why not add some travel to your inbox? Sign up for my weekly travel updates at journeystocome.com. It was my bucket list wish to go to explore the Kimberley with you guys. I, I'd always heard that you guys were the best. But uh, I, I'm just wondering, for those who don't know what the area is like, what the Kimberley is like, how do you explain it to people? Well, I, the Kimberley is no doubt to me it's the most beautiful part of Australia. It's remote. It has, you know, we, the, uh, there's thousands of islands and beautiful river systems. The scenery is amazing. Um, and there's nobody here. Why not? Well, I have not seen anyone else aside from our crew. It's inaccessible. I mean, there's only one place on the whole trip where we can fly in on the helicopter and see people and that's the Mitchell Falls mm -hmm. because there's actually a, a, a setup at the Mitchell Plateau where you can drive to for, along the Gibb River Road and then you drive to the Mitchell Plateau and and from there you can helicopter or walk into the Mitchell Falls and that's the only place on this cruise where we have the possibility of seeing anyone. Everywhere else is not connected by road or you can't get here, only by boat or helicopter. And now I've brought my children on this trip and they're having an absolute ball. How safe are we from crocs? Because my heart has been in my mouth in regards to crocs, but I've only seen one so far. So is my fear unfounded or? No, no the crocodiles are there. I mean, this, uh, this time of the year is warm. The water's warm. The crocodiles need to achieve a certain temperature within, within the, within inside themselves to help digest their food, so I'm told. And uh, so this time of year they, they can maintain that temperature just by being in the water. And that's what they are doing and they're generally just hiding in amongst mangroves and you won't see them. Later in the colder months of the year though, the water's cooler than, they have, than the temperature they have to get to, so they have to get out and bask on the banks in the sun to warm their bodies so they can digest their food and so in the um, but they're always around but in the winter really? months you see a lot more but do you think that kind of gives the place a bit of an edge I mean it's uh, I mean, obviously there's, there's nothing like it anywhere else in the world oh, oh the crocs are a total attraction I mean you have to be uh, definitely aware they're there and respectful and um, but I think they're uh, one of the, the great things of, of this area, you know, they make it tougher for uh, the ordinary guy to get here. And, and then it's interesting for me as a traveller, prior to coming on this trip, I was terrified. I was wondering, am I the worst mother in the world bringing my children onto this trip? And now I'm wondering, when am I going to see a croc? I really want to see a croc, almost like they're a party trick. Yeah, well, we'll see more as we travel further north. Yay! Yeah, I, I reckon we saw that one yesterday and... Uh, but like I said, they're just not as prolific now or as visual because the water's warm and 
they're able to maintain that body temperature so they hide in those they're happy hiding in the water and amongst the mangroves and but we will as we uh yeah the hunter and the row river tomorrow and the mitchell the day after and that we'll see crocodiles they're always there always there. you just got to know where to look i should ask you also about the fishing because i know a lot of people will come on this trip specifically for the fishing i'm kind of loving the beautiful Aboriginal art, the nature, but some people specifically book year after year for that fishing. What do they come here to fish for? Well, the elusive, you know, the, the, the catch of the day is always the barramundi. Why? Um, Why is that prized? Oh, they're just, they grow to a good size. They're very acrobatic when, they, uh, when they're captured and they jump and they're, you know, they're good looking fish. And, and uh, I guess uh, everyone's heard of a barramundi and they want to catch one there and they are a little elusive on the, in the Kimberley. They're definitely more prolific in the Northern Territory, but we do get, you know, good feeds of barra. We get our fair share. But the, uh, there's also um, some great pelagic fishing, you know, the mackerel and the queenfish and the trevallies and all those kind of things. And then there's great, uh, you know, demersal fishing, you know, with the mangrove jacks and the finger marks and and cod and different things so you know it's constant all, always we're always able to provide the guests with a feed of fresh fish aren't we and it's wonderful and then you get to have it for lunch or for dinner right, you yeah. eat what you catch and there's mud crabs later through the trip we oh, might really? get a feed of mud crabs and might get a feed of oysters and i'd love that there we go actually i should mention the food and wine's pretty darn fantastic mm. all local um yes I've trained the chefs well, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> you wish, you wish. Um, I, I know that a, a highlight for me was also seeing some Aboriginal art. And I, I think that for a lot of people that they, they also enjoy, particularly for overseas travellers, they come, come here to, to see that, um, that, that element of culture. What's that like, working in with the local communities or, or being able to reveal that side of Australia? Well, you know, it's had a... It's had a Bit of an infancy at the moment, you know. We're um, working with groups now to um, to make it all, you know, everyone, so everyone's happy and everyone benefits out of it. And uh, but I mean, you know, the, the Kimberley is fascinating for for the rock art. I mean, this is the place where the African, you know, I guess initially they were Africans. The Kimberley is where they entered Australia through. Uh, really from Timor so they migrated up through Africa and around through Indonesia over to Timor and when the um, day was right they were able to jump in their canoes and paddle over to Australia and God I don't know what's they saying 50 70,000 years ago or something and so there's all these different eras of art here so there's the the art that was done you know in the very early stages of uh, man migrating to Australia and then I think there was a few different phases where they were able to come over and you know they were maybe every 10,000 years apart so each time they've arrived there's a new phase of rock art and and I think the more you know it's all still early days and which more, is kind of exciting yeah the more research you know there's some people um, really committing to finding out now what happened and uh, the more more work gets done, the, uh, you know, it just gets more and more interesting all the time. Do you ever get do you ever get tired of of coming out here? I know you've been coming out here for so many years. No, I think I'm pretty fortunate. It's not a bad job. No, I, I don't. I actually don't get. I mean, I don't know how many times I've done the Kimberley trip. Maybe 
150, 200 times and I, I loved it every time. Absolutely loved it. I've never got sick of it. Well, thank you so much for showing it to my children and I. Absolute pleasure, Katrina. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Journeys to Come. If you want any more information on the places that we visited, all the people we spoke to, then visit our website, journeystocome.com, for full details.